one thing that's so exciting to me about places like makerspaces or fab labs or this new emerging technologies is it's a natural place for overlapping of the fields, right? So you have science and engineers and and with the ecological issues, it is all about us working together. Welcome to the Stolen Hours Podcast. Conversations with known or unknown creatives across the arts. Guests share what they create and the backstories that have made them who they are today. Listen in to help support the community of creators and to find some inspiration of your own. The following is episode 40, The Ecological Visual Artist, The Art Professor, Kimberly Callis. All right, thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you have not yet, please subscribe to the Stolen Hours podcast on your favorite streaming platform, iTunes, good old Google, Amazon, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And definitely check out also our website, www.thestolenhourspodcast.com. Follow along on Instagram, and you can see what we're doing at the Stolen Hours Podcast. All right, I'm excited here to uh, introduce this episode with Kimberly Kaus, who's totally an ecological-minded artist, very concerned with environment, but also our relationship with the environment. Definitely check out her work at KimberlyCallis.com and at K underscore Callis on Instagram. And uh, if you haven't checked it out last yet, check out last episode, which is uh, with Chris White, the writer-director the film Electric Jesus, which comes out soon um, to be released November 2nd uh, nationwide on digital platforms near you. And definitely so keep supporting the community of artists here with the Solonaris community. All right, enjoy this episode. All right, today on the Solonaris, we have Kimberly Callis. Kimberly is a new media artist, sculptor, and the lead artist of the social practice project Discovering the Ecological Self. She's currently the artist in residence for the Urban Coast Institute and an assistant professor of art at Monmouth University in West Long Branch, New Jersey. Her work has been exhibited internationally in galleries and museums and received national and international grants and awards. Recent grants include a Pollination Project Grant, an Urban Coast Institute Grant, and a Monmouth University Summer Faculty Fellowship. In 2020, she received the first place award in sculpture at the Catherine Lorillard Wolf Art club's annual exhibit in new york city and she's been exhibited all over the place um 2019 international new media exhibit at the sika museum in south korea summer ex- exhibition at flowers gallery in new york city and uh the dual gallery in budapest hungary um this is uh extensive cv so uh, for sure kimberly we could go on and on but i definitely want to mention you're published as well in post-human new media press and ultimately, uh, she received she received her MFA in the New York Academy of Art and her BFA from the Stamp School of Art at the University of Michigan. Kimberly is an artist who fully embraces humanity, often working with the figure in her work, but also dedicating herself to support artists and local communities with her concerns for arts advocacy, building culturally rich interaction and collaboration between all walks of life, and working with others to support ecological efforts. So thank you for coming on, Kimberly. Welcome. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. It's great. So so we uh, we go a little bit back from uh, you being my wife's main mentor during her her BFA or I, I guess her bachelor's in visual yeah, arts. You're a super talented wife. Yeah. <laughs> Artist. <laughs> yes, super talented. Yeah, the uh, the artist world here that. Uh, you know, has, has just constantly put people into our lives that are amazing and creative. And you're definitely one of those people that my wife often thinks of yeah, isn't and that wonderful? <laughs> as we look at the life, the life-size sculptures that you helped her form oh, in her geez, yes. years at, wow. uh, in undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you for coming on. It's great to reconnect this way. And, um, you're doing a ton of things. You're such a prolific artist. So I'd love to hear just about what you're working on right now. We'll start right there. Okay. Awesome. Start with the present. <laughs> I um, so, so I've had this great fortune of um, working with the Urban Coast Institute, which is one of our distinguished centers at Monmouth University and where I teach. And they started this new fellowship program so that faculty could become better connected with the centers because we have five distinguished centers. 
Uh, we have the Polling Institute, which many people are familiar with um, on the national news and um, the Urban Coast Institute and I'm not going to name them all. But anyway, uh, this this is an effort to make this relationship um, with the faculty stronger. And so the idea is to have two um, faculty fellows um, each year, and then they would work with one of the centers and um, create better connections into the academic side. And then the center would help the um, faculty connect better out into the community, which um, the centers are well connected with. So I became Urban Coast Institute's artist in residence in 2019. And um, I'll be doing that until 2022 nice. now. So, so that uh, now that we took kind of a year off, I was doing some extra teaching during COVID. Um, and yeah, yeah, for that, I'm creating some a bunch of work. From what I see, you're you're creating your own personal work, but also leading these like collaborative workshops with students, or even it sounds like uh, you know anything from churches to nonprofits. There's all these like kind of community yeah. dots connecting underneath that Urban Coast Institute. So, is your personal work part of that as well? Yes, I. So that's part of the social practice part that I do. So social practice is when artists works with community uh, around, you know, issues, certain social issues. And, and uh, I focus on ecological issues. And so um, what I love to do, though, is um, for my students to be social practice artists and work in communities. So we all collaborate together and we do workshops um, in certain areas. and. We call it Discovering the Ecological Self, and it's it's a project um, that's focusing on um, recreating a intimate relationship with nature and rebuilding our relationships with nature, but on a you know on a personal level, so that so that we might you know work on a you know local or global level to help out, but um, to first start at that deeper um, place, and and that's been really exciting. That's great. That's great. So I know this is this goes deep for you, even to your lifestyle, like having a home up in Maine that is very sustainable. Mm -hmm. So this ecological, um, even I, my wife always talks about the edible forest that you guys planted and all these great things. <laughs> yes. um, so so I so is that is that where your kind of um, foundation in that is formed from your own just life choices? And then then it led right into your artwork or was this always part of your artwork? Right. It, it wasn't part of my artwork. I was, um, you know, traditionally trained academic figurative sculptor, uh, which I still do. Um, it's still a very much part of uh, how I express the ecological self is through the body, because I feel like that's so integral. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, what we eat and how we are in the world, everything. And um, and so I was doing, you know, figurative sculpture in sort of a more um, traditional way. And then after 9-11, my, my husband and I were both sort of ecologically minded. And he at the time was um, going, we were in Jersey City at the time, and he was working um, in the city, in New York City. But he was going to school at night at Columbia University, uh, studying the American environmental ethic. And so we had become very interested in diet. Uh, we were vegetarian and, um, you know, we weighed all of our garbage. I mean, total geeks. Um, we, you know, just to make sure we threw away hardly anything. And, um, and then nine 11 hit and we also, I was five months pregnant at that time. And then we had our first son and, um, we said, you know what, we want to do something more, you know, it's like one of those, it's one of those events that you like, what can you do with life? You know, what, yeah, yeah. are we just like <laughs> going along with the flow or, or can we do something that that's meaningful? And I mean, not, you know, that's meaningful to us in a bigger way. So yeah, <laughs> we quit our jobs and moved to Maine. We, we bought a big piece of land that had been clear cut. So all the trees had been removed and it was just a slash pile. Um, but nobody wanted it. So it was inexpensive. We could buy it, um, a larger piece of land and sort of start to restore this forest. And we thought at first we'd do it and just kind of retire there. But then eventually we said, oh no, we're just moving there. And, um, 
we really considered moving. We were very careful about that and weighed it. Um, but then we read this book about b- building a house, an in-ground stone house with using slip form. And there's so much rocks up there. And we decided, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to build this in-ground stone house. It's off the grid. And um, yeah. I don't know how carefully we considered that. <laughs> <laughs> we just said, oh, yeah, we're going to build this house. We just read this book. And we did. Uh, we're still building. <laughs> but it was, it was pretty cool because um, that sort of changed our lives. and. Um, that's such a big way. My, my, um, you know, my, so my husband was able to learn a lot about, um, eco building and sustainable building and which is what he ended up going into. And then we said, Oh, well, we can't just, this just can't be us. Right. So us living alone in the woods is not really making an impact on the world or even on our community in any way. So, um, we had friends who were really, um, excited about ecological issues too. And we co-founded an institute called New Forest, where we did sustainability work, um, training energy auditors and um, also permaculture gardeners. And permaculture is a way of um, living with the land where you're in a line with the energy cycles of the land. So you align yourself with the sun and where the water is and and you even plant in a way that plants relate to one another in helpful ways, um, which is where the yeah, food forest yeah. came out of. Um, and so we did new forest for, for several years. And after that, my husband went into, he created his own company called Build Green Maine, um, where he trains energy otters full time. That's what he still does. And I got into um, another nonprofit where I worked with um I don't know how much we need to go into this, but my, my whole history. No, uh, but uh, I I did um, a creative economy project called Belfast Creative Coalition. You know, before we, we started recording, we were kind of talking about like, how do people do it? How do people live as artists in the world? It's it's such a um, tricky thing because it's, yeah. it's something our culture says it values. Um, <laughs> You know, we have like as huge art markets and everything, but as far as, um, you know, on a practical level, uh, nobody gets really excited when they, you tell your parents, oh, I'm going to be an artist. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Uh, and it's, you know, other cultures and, you know, in Europe and stuff, they, they support the arts in such a way that you could be like a middle-class person and be an artist as a career. And it's okay. You don't have to be the billion dollar artist, you know, and you don't have to be the starving artist. You can do it as a life. And, um, so, so Belfast Creative Coalition was a lot about how can we support the artists in our area? How can we, um, show the area how the arts support them? Because there's a huge benefit from having arts in your area. And and we've seen that now. Yeah. And there's tons and tons of studies now on how supporting the arts and bringing arts into the area uh, brings up um, the economy in the area. And, um, you know, how much more people spend in the restaurants and doing this and doing that. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, people move there, whatever you want. So um, so this was that effort in um so, so talking about like how people make it as an artist. So one thing I did was um, I, I helped artists, you know, I did some professional development with artists and I said myself, I am not going to ask any artist to do something I'm not already doing. So I started doing on a, a, a bit, a little more formal way, like all those pieces that sort of that you need for a small business, you know, as an artist, like I needed a a newsletter, you know, an email list, a big email list. You need that. You need to um, do some social media. You need to start. Um, I, I needed to start sending out more work, right, to exhibit, to to try to exhibit, you know, and doing that just regularly, not as a, you know, oh, you know, once a year I'll do this sort of thing. It has to be yeah, like just yeah, a set yeah, yeah. thing you do. And if you get rejected, you get rejected, right? But you keep going. And that was, I mean, that was really actually helped my, my work a lot. Uh, I started exhibiting a lot more and, 
I love doing it. It was great, but I really wanted to get back into teaching. <laughs> that's great. So, so this, I love the uh, lead by example mindset. I think that's um, even how my wife learned from you while you were a professor at um, Felician. And I, I think that's why it was, okay. I, I, I always say she had such a great education in this non-art school because of people like you who were like fully doing the old school apprenticeship mindset. Like, let me teach you by showing you, let me invite you into my studio. And, and, you know, she, she was a go-getter, so she, not everybody experienced that maybe, but, yeah. but, but you definitely invited her into that world. So, and it's great how that, how much as you're describing benefit, benefited you as an artist, but also you as an, as an educator, as a professional development person, you know, listen, I know how this works. You know, this is what I'm yeah. doing. Here's my advice. And I, I, it's like priceless education that you can't even find anywhere. So it's awesome that you made that effort and really built that community, which I guess is still thriving up in Belfast, Maine, right? It's, it's still something that exists. Oh, they have a great arts community, yeah. but they had a great arts community yeah, yeah. before I came in. It wasn't That's great. before, before they founded the Belfast Creative Coalition, it was in response to sure. just, you know, many years of effort and building. Um, That's great. It's been yeah since the seventies, really. Oh, that's awesome, and and really, so that's so as you guys basically moved to the the woods, you had also this community that was not too far away that was su supporting you as an artist, but also you were supporting other artists, which I I love, and I I, I think of it often in just the, yeah. the small model version that I do here in our neighborhood. Just we just get together once a month, you know, and then we host events, you know, seasonally yeah. and. Um, sometimes those events are little workshops, you know, where there's kids coming in to learn collage or whatever. So it's just a fun way to build community. And as you say, you know, build up, uh, you know, really just culturally rich experiences where it supports everything from the, the local economy to, <laughs> to even just, uh, building, connecting dots for, for connecting community and yeah. making, yeah, yeah, yeah. Creating, uh, <laughs> just a neighborhood morale or, or, uh, you know, citywide morale. Yeah. Joy. It's a good description. So it's yeah. awesome. So I, so that's why I really definitely wanted to have you come on here. And I know that's, um, so for you to go back to New Jersey, um, was that a dilemma? <laughs> was that a, was that a, cause I know you're, you're back in this oh, Monmouth yeah. university. Yeah. It was, it's interesting because through doing that and working with artists, I really got a hunger again for the classroom. And also, um, I realized I wasn't teaching uh, figurative sculpture, which is, it's a little bit of a lost art. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, there's so many things about it. And it's so, such a specific craft um, that I really, I felt like I need to be back in the classroom doing that as well. So um, I just, you know, I kept looking for jobs, but um, the one that was the really good fit was at Monmouth University and it was really hard because my family loves Maine and yes. um and we we have you know a house that we built that we're still building that um so we have big projects here and I still consider it you know um a home and a place where we have significant research and work um but the it, it was interesting I to go back to New Jersey too, because we were in Jersey city. So we were living in New Jersey. Um, because you're, you're, I love to be like close to the urban centers. We're right by Philadelphia. We're right by New yeah. York city and the Jersey shore is absolutely gorgeous. So you have this whole issue of the ocean, right? It's overwhelming um, yeah. there. So, but then on the other side, I thought, what am I doing here? It's all very mowed lawns and uh, <laughs> very clean, um, but, um, in not necessarily environmental ways, right. There's a lot of problems with, uh, um, the way we treat our landscapes and, um, and students had absolutely no concept of where their food comes from or what they're eating or, um, recycling. I mean, everyone recycles sort of on, um, you know, we know to recycle, but we don't know to reduce and to not even sure. take those plastics in the first place sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. it was interesting after coming from such a um, 
the ecological mindset that's in Belfast, Maine, which is not all of Maine, certainly. It's just sort of in certain centers, but um, to um, West Long Branch. Uh, and, you know, we've I found some eco people there that are really excited, people to work <laughs> with and, and students too. And yeah, yeah. but but we're we have some work to do. You know, we have we have things to do. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's almost like uh, you had to come down from the mountaintop and bring the message to the valley on some level. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to come uh, back. You, yeah, you go off to, you know, you go off. I don't know, mountaintop. It's been a bit of a cave <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> you see the winter photos. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sure. But yeah. Um, oh, that, you know. It's so interesting that you bring that up because mountaintop, a big part of, you know, coming up with uh, how I was working with the ecological self and it has to do with nature symbols and how we um, draw such meaning, you know, from them. And so we know that experience of the mountaintop, right? And we know that idea of why we would go to the mountaintop and what we're seeking, right? Um, yeah. and so I love to use all those words and, you know, and then what cave time is, right. That's a different experience. <laughs> sure. Sure. Those words are so important to me. Yeah. I, I think of, uh, yeah. So the allegory of the cave, you know, this story, right. It's, uh, it's a Plato mm-hmm. or Socrates. It's, you know, just, I, I actually made an art piece called mm-hmm. the reverse allegory of the cave because of the importance of sometimes going into the cave to realize things about those sim- yeah. those symbols that are on the wall that are in your basically your memory, so like these symbols and your sometimes you need to like stop and look at them and basically uh, the the art piece was a uh, camera obscura that you could put your head inside of and see oh. and see the the world inside the cave and uh, I realized photography. Oh wow, it was like a physical <laughs> space. Yeah, yeah. So you built. Yeah, and it's this idea that oh, that wow. photography for me is something that made me stop and analyze life because it's a frozen image and it's you're mm-hmm. kind of you know making something out of reality, but you're also contemplating it and you're taking it out of context for a purpose, which is to contemplate and think about it. So as you describe cave experiences, um, it's almost like okay, the cave prepares you for the world when you get out there, and and so I know that philosophical mm-hmm. story is a little bit different than that, but the idea that we kind of need to stop sometimes and either whether it's a mountaintop or in a cave one or the other and to realize things mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the rest of life that is so moving so fast and so noisy um so it sounds like on some level yeah mm-hmm. new jersey as you describe it kind of so uh, poetically <laughs> i think it's you know it has such a bad rep but it does have this yeah you know, we live in the vermont of new jersey i call it <laughs> <laughs> and and you oh, and you live in the, yeah. the you know you work and live in uh during the times of uh you know monmouth in this beautiful uh, ocean land and there's so much there it's almost mm-hmm. like the ocean mm-hmm. itself can redeem any mess that's like literally a hundred yards behind it <laughs> you know which is you know like you're standing you're, you're standing here looking at the ocean and there's like <laughs> these high-rise you know uh you know buildings that are housing people yeah. for vacations and you're like I don't want to look that way, but I do want to look this way constantly. And it's like this constant feed yeah. feed of handing you a gift of like, no, no, this is what you need to think about. And so I know that, that the ocean itself right now is absolutely the source for much of what you're making, literally the imprints of the ocean onto the face. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. And these, these natural textures mm-hmm. that you're putting onto mm-hmm. oh, you. figures and, and directly into um, the human body. And even the, I know I was thinking of your whale piece, you know, it's kind of Jonah reference, but for sure, not, mm-hmm. not that it's something new, which is, you know, this kind of perspective on humanity. Okay. You know, you're with inside this, this, this animal, this, this, uh, this ocean being, you know, right. which is not that far away from you, but at the same time you are, you depend on and so much so. Um, you have to take care of therefore so i that's definitely my uh, take on your work and I, i'd love to hear you articulate some of your yeah. concepts some more on in terms of what you're working with the the ecological self stuff yeah because that that whale piece um certainly has to it relates to that cave time right and sure i'm relating you know the belly of the beast 
with the cave, but also the labyrinth and in that that undoing, like the time that it takes um, to to be in there, and uh, um, and 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 the possible fruit, you know, that can come from that kind of time. And you know, we're really, I'm really, uh, it's really a lot to do with contemplation, like you said, slowing down and um, working with um, these ideas until we discover the meaning, until we discover new meaning, because the old meaning is disastrous. Um, we can't, you know, I mean, on a basic level, we can't use the ocean as the dump, right? That we we're learning that, you know, but that's that before it was a God, right? The ocean was this God that, you know, could, could even be worshiped or something, but then it was turned into a dump. So there's gotta be a different, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, yeah. we have lots of room for, for new symbolic understanding of the human's relationship with with the with the with nature but you know with the ocean right and how how um there's so much there right we need the poets we need the artists to um start talking about that a little bit more and um and then personally right um to spend that time in contemplation they you know saint francis they said went to the cave every day and i love that as an idea like that he went inside right he went into the inner self and battled with the demons and then he was able to come out and serve the poor. Um, but until he did that, right, he wasn't ready. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and I'm sure, you know, it wasn't just battling the demons, right? But it's also finding God and hearing the voice, um, you know, the voice of, of yeah. his Lord. So that was that was part of, um, you know, that kind of inner work. It's really difficult. Um, but I, I think I, I, I really... Um, I think that for myself, a lot of that is how I come up with the images and how um, and and why I think images are so important because of how deeply related they are to our, um, I'll say psyche, but it's really our meaning making muscle, like whatever that meaning making happens. Uh, you know, and psychology talks a lot about that, um, especially, you know, something like Jungian psychology where, or James Hillman and those guys who talk about the primacy of the image. And that's, I, I sort of equate the symbol and the image together in this work. You know, the whale is like this major symbol across cultures, right? Of course, right? But it's symbols are like really slippery and they move and they change and it's all kinds of things. Um, but um, a, a lot of fun to work with, um, a lot of power there. Absolutely. That's great. I mean, you just, you mentioned all of some of my, some of my favorite things, you know, St. Francis to <laughs> nature being, uh, the oh, source, yeah. the source of realization, the source of cleansing. I, there's the, I even, I'm thinking of the St. Francis story where he's trying to deal with his kind of, you know, fully his flesh. And he like, just goes out into the snow and, naked and just rolls around in the snow to like to, to like freeze you know like let nature cleanse him like just take over me <laughs> yeah. um and and in, in that oh wow i've never heard that yeah, and, and in that there's like such rich visuals right so so the storytelling i know that's built mm-hmm. into your work um there's a lot of reference to yeah just like yeah full-on you know uh, ancient storytelling the universality of symbols certain symbols mm-hmm. um transcendent symbols i like to call them you know um, the fish, the whale, the, the big yeah. fish, you know, um, even, uh, yeah, there's, there's something to that. That's so powerful. And as you're describing, um, a teacher in itself. And so I love that, uh, it's, you've kind of integrated all of these things from your, you know, your, your sustainable life in Maine, um, to directly into your work now, or that that's kind of built in. There's a, there's a backstory there. That's very thick but it's also very present just by looking at the visuals because we can interpret um, right away. You know, okay, this is about nature. This is about humanity. This is about the relationship of humanity and nature. Um, I'm very disappointed in humanity often because of our thinking political conversation over nature rather than just like, I think if you sat everybody down and just said, Hey, is it a bad idea to like dump pollution into a beautiful natural scene? Everybody would agree. Yes. But then we just, play with politics and argue <laughs> instead of just trying to fix that um and argue about science like 
like so instead of science maybe being yeah. what it was supposed to be for so many in humanity which was the answer to solving all humanity's problems i it does seem like art has a place to just redefine the conversation um to remind like no no, no we all agree we shouldn't yeah. be dumping yeah. waste into <laughs> a natural place <laughs> Let's start there. Let, let forget science and politics yeah. for a second. Let's just deal with that, <laughs> and uh, and then move on from there. Yeah, I, that was my yeah, that was my absolute first um, inspiration for this project. Is what you're describing that I realized because I was in um, a very small community in Maine outside of Belfast, which is more um, like I said, environmentally minded, but. Um, you know, a community that was still just one generation separated from the land where everyone used to farm. I mean, there's still farms here and there's still some beautiful working farms here. It's a really tough life. But yeah. um, but many of the farms were getting divided up, you know, of course, we see this in New Jersey um, yeah. and family farms. But the grandmothers still knew how to can, right? They still knew how to put up food and and, and all of this stuff. But but there was, um, you know, politically, there, there might be a divide in, in, in what you might support politically. But if you fished in that stream as a kid, you would protect that stream if, there, if it was becoming, you know, polluted and yeah, damaged yeah. And, and you understood that it was. Um, sometimes these things are hidden and it's really tough to sort of show, um, demonstrate what's going on. Um, and it's, you know, I think we're getting better at that now of understanding um, environmental um, yeah. degradation and things like that. But um, sure, yeah, yeah, so that was a big inspiration for me. I'm like, this is, where is everyone's love? Like, where is their heart? Uh, because, so there's this uh, philosopher, um, Jonathan Rousen, and, um, and he talks about, you know, the issue with climate change is, as the science, um, it's a separation of the feelings and the facts, Right. We can hear all the facts yeah, yeah. and hear it all, but if unless it unless it is translated into an emotional um, understanding and an emotional self, there's no action because we act out of emotions, yeah. right? We uh, yeah. we have a thought that then creates an emotion, and then we have an action, um, and then we can get results. But um, but there's this big divide, and so the, you know, of course, the arts yeah. are so much a part of that um, connection. That's great. That's great. That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was thinking uh, in relation to uh, this as well, S Sebastio Salgado, who's a photographer, do you know his work? Um, he did a project called Genesis. Oh, yes. Yes. And so if, I say, if he's kindred oh, to yeah. you in, in, in a couple different ways, right? So you got Genesis, which is his response to photographing like just like the, the, the rough state of humanity. Yeah. Um, for everything from burning oil fields to just, uh, you know, uh, you know, basically people migrating, you know, um, for escaping environmental disasters or wars, et cetera. And then, you know, he physically has a response to that photography, right? So um, where he, his body starts to fall apart and uh, his doctor's like, you need to do something different. And he describes this whole thing in a, in a wonderful uh, TED talk, I believe it is. Um, and, and then he goes and, um, you know, does this Genesis project, which was about trying to find untouched earth, nat nature in its purest form, um, mm -hmm. even tribal, um, you know, experiences before modern day culture influences. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, he rebuilds the rainforest of his family's farm, <laughs> which is similar to what I was thinking about with your clear cut land. Yeah. So it's this clear cut land. And he shows like yeah. the thousands of trees that he and the people dedicated to that cause planted and he yeah. really rebuilds the rainforest. I'm like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like, so this idea of artists, yeah. artists having some pull to take back or to give back to nature in a way that's serving nature rather than being self nature serving us is just kind of a nice thought, you know, and, and a way to yeah. restart. And, I, I think having that personal um, involvement too is it's so, it's so critical. It's not abstract, right? He's not he's planting trees, right? He's and he knows that you know these ten trees died, right? And yeah. <laughs> you know he knows like the loss there in the sense like he's invested now on an emotional level that's very different 
that somebody that, you know, bought 10,000 trees or so, I don't know, maybe not, but (laughs) you know, when you're, you're, you, there's so much to learn from physically doing it yourself. And I think like, I, sometimes I tell people just grow some basil on your window. So (laughs) grow something, you know, have, have an investment in something that you're growing and eating. Yeah. I I like to eat, you know, something that you also eat. Um, but, um, the, uh, because there's something beautiful about, right, that cycle. Um, yeah. And, yeah. But I, I think that's why, you know, my husband and I try so hard to hold on to this, this piece of land in Maine and still do the, the back and forth a bit um, is because, is you know, there's the, – we're – we really – it's almost – there's a bit of a protection here on, like, this forest coming back. And, you know, it's going to take a long yeah. time. Uh, um, sure. And – uh, but it it does, you know. I don't know if we could ever plant as many trees in New Jersey as are growing there right now. Well, maybe, but <laughs> it'd be exciting to try. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, you know, we need a lot of trees. We need a lot more trees. But that's yeah, something so. I saw with the permaculture people. Who I mean, we had some fantastic permaculture teachers come in, and you're talking about what happened with that rainforest there because their farm was failing. His farm was failing. Yeah. And they were, they're now rebuilding soil there, you know? And so what I saw with permaculture teachers is they would go into these desert areas and what they would do is they would create one like little area of water and plant around it. And you keep this one area of water and it spreads and then they plant more trees around that and it spreads. And there, you know, there are so many places where they've start to um, reclaim these deserted areas yeah you know and um just by planting by planting you have to plant and you have to protect it because it can get wiped out again if it's not protected that's Um, great that's great and hopefully we've learned some new uh agriculture techniques so we don't have dust storms but that's unfortunately still happening (laughs) that that's such a part of our culture yeah there's a that i don't want to get into all that that's a lot It's, it's our cultural history or our, our basically, yeah, like ecological history, uh, which is really part of our culture in America. It's crazy. Yeah. The dust bowls. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if we didn't learn from that. <laughs> well, yeah, we still have in farms as industry, which is it's sort of like, oh. I yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, 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 <laughs> it is happening. I, even here in, uh, you know, Vernon Township, there's a bunch, there's a huge like local farming movement just reviving there's a uh, local co-ops yes. you know that yeah. people are banding together working together yeah. to support each other um I, my friend started ugly apple farms out in uh, port Jervis, new york or yeah, on that border zone i think oh, it's good. new york side and he's yeah. uh he's you know he's like doing like uh ecotourism on some level just to show people like hey this is how you get honey yeah. honey from bees like just teaching cool things because he's a science teacher he loves he loves this. Uh, oh, um, yeah. And Randy Wright, his name is. And- I also like the idea of the ugly apple because yeah, yeah. that's a teaching moment <laughs> exactly. too, right? That all this perfect fruit that we've, you know, <laughs> made through science. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but eat, it, eat this one because this one is, you know, from the earth in a whole different way. And, yeah. and the way that it's from the earth is really important. But that is, it's complex. Yeah. You know, it's it's not easy to understand, but if you go and you experience it, you sort of get it on a visceral level and it can change the yeah. way, you know, you're changing the way people eat. And then if you're changing the way people eat, you're changing the way they're in the world. And it's just, yes, yeah, that's fantastic. I'm so glad sure. we're doing that. Yeah, I think I had, uh, you know, an apple or something from... <laughs> from some farm and i was discussing this with someone at work she's like she's like that doesn't look so good and she, i was like yeah but just just take a bite real quick and she's like oh yeah. <laughs> i didn't realize i didn't realize wait <laughs> that tastes really good but you know it's it's uh little things right yeah. so so there's all these efforts and i i think it's great to the fact that it's kind of um a little abstract right so people are doing these things um amongst the people that know they know what's going on, um, but there's not always a an easy way to communicate. And I, on some level, uh, you know, being a visual artist that you are, that's the easy way to communicate, right? It's like the invitation in. It's the uh, it's the hey, check, the, see this visual. It's a conversation starter. 
that leads you to, I mean, even just knowing Kimberly Callis and looking at your work and then, oh, wait, she's involved with this discovering the ecological self. Okay, let me click on that. You know, it's like the joys of the internet kind of allows us to use the visual as the way to absolutely on its in its own way um, communicate in profound levels. Um, but it also is like this inroad into this whole other world, which is kind of awesome that that's how your work has kind of become. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can be powerful. I mean, you want all your art to be powerful, right? You want, I don't know powerful (laughs) story, but you want it to have a consequence, right? You want it to have a purpose, uh, that's beyond yourself. And, um, it'd be, you know, unless you, I mean, maybe you don't, some people want to paint and, you know, and that's it. And, and you can set it aside and I don't know, maybe, maybe everybody, I don't know if anybody doesn't want to share their work. I don't know anybody who doesn't want to share their work. Well, there's, there's plenty of people who are making art just to stay sane. And that's one, right? That's step one. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for so many. Yeah. And then, and then step two is, yeah, they do, they do want to show it. (laughs) They do want to share it, you know? Yeah. 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 Just sharing it with another person. Just, yeah. it, it helps you that whole stay insane too, because then you feel you can understand yourself, but you feel understood, yeah. you know? So there's that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jung talked about, um, images having consequences and that's where I got that word consequences. Nice. Yeah. And I just love that. I thought, Ooh, um, you know, and, in a, there's been a couple of times, like once in a while, you get the rare experience where you get to hear about that consequence, you know, and, yeah. like, um, you know, sometimes just like I, I the, re, the consequence is so surprising, like not, you wouldn't, I thought, oh yeah, like start recycling more and weigh your garbage. No, I don't know. <laughs> Everyone should weigh their garbage, <laughs> but um, because then you see what you throw away, but anyway, um, and how you can reduce it, but. Um, anyway, so there was this woman who came to one of my exhibits and, um, she saw one of my figures that had, and she was looking at it and then she came up to me and she said, um, she started talking about it and she said, oh, it's just, you know, just that she was looking at it and, and she started crying and I'm like, what? Okay. And, and she said, I have to quit my job. (laughs) I thought, oh, she's like, yeah, I I see. Like, what she was missing was um, going into meaning in a deep way. And she felt like she was working at such a harried pace that she no longer had access to her soul. And she said, I can't do this anymore. And, And I was like... I didn't know what to, you know, it was sort of like, oh, that's, you know, the, that power of what art does and that it does reach into that. And then it can talk about it. And we don't talk about yeah. soul. You know, we don't talk about that deep place of meaning because that's what busyness, you know, the whole you know, panic lifestyle that we have. Yeah. Um, you can't deal with meaning, meaning making and soul making. Um, sometimes Hillman calls meaning making and soul making the same thing. Um, in when you're in fear mode, you know, when you're in panic, when you're yeah. um, not in a contemplative state, and most of the time we're not in a contemplative state. <laughs> it's hard for it to break through. It tries, you know, sure, it tries sure. to break through. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nature, yeah. Nature's very good at pausing us in our tracks on occasion, right? So the, uh, universality yes. of everybody loves yes. the sun, sunset you know everybody loves the ocean it's like because it is that pause right yeah and it's not it's not just it's, it's yeah. not a it's, mm-hmm. it's not a place of privilege even it's it's universal it's for everybody right you know? yeah yeah and it holds so much meaning already you know i mean that's that's kind of like the whole point of my work in a sense that there's a lot we need to learn, but there's a lot we can experience and it will tell us, right? There's a lot we can, yeah. by being in nature, there's so much to discern um, that wisdom can come 
I think from it, you know, if you read Wendell Berry's work or, you know, um, oh, I'm forgetting another poet that was so fantastic about uh, her writing. Um, but I, it's sort of like a little trick that, that I'm, I'm hiding that when I'm taking people into the land, you know, of, yeah, it's like, really, let's, let's see how it goes into you. Let's see how sure. your, inner, your inner life is um, fed. That's and then what cool. happens, you know, when you lose a species, like, where does that, you know, there's a wisdom that's supposed to be here through that species. And we have to value that because we don't understand it yet. Yeah. And we're just so casual about letting them go. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I noticed on uh, discovering the ecological self uh, website, there's a self survey <laughs> to discover my own personal, I guess, ecological. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I almost started to do this. So I was like, all right, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, <laughs> but it's, it's actually pretty great. Mm. So like just at the first question, just being about childhood, like where did you first connect with nature? I thought that was brilliant. So it's like, it's important to, to almost, yeah, put yourself there to like really reflect I, you know, reflecting is something I've learned to do in my life. Um, but as life gets busy or when yeah. there's bills to pay or there's kind of multiple children or a certain yeah. age, it's like all those things go out the window mm -hmm. and they, it's like, you know, sometimes all it takes though is five, 10 minutes, you know? And, uh, yeah, my my neighbor just yeah. called me and said, "Hey, can you go wake up my son? He needs to take his take his uh his his morning vitamin, and he's not waking up for it, you know, whatever." And uh, and just going outside, I'm like, "Oh, I just feel so different <laughs> just now because I was in my in my oh, in my yeah. cave here trying to, trying to wake yeah. up. Like, come on, wake up, wake up!" But just going outside, like, oh, it it, it literally <laughs> took thirty seconds for me to be like, "Oh, here's a different perspective on life," just because there's sun hitting my face. Yeah. Um, and I think that's <laughs> yes. something we desperately need in 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 the most urban of places and in the most you know you know rural of places. I think it's yeah. we easily shelter yeah. um, and uh, sometimes need to challenge that shelter. Yeah, we're 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 understanding ecotherapy on a whole different level and the benefits of that. Uh, I have a friend, Megan Delaney, um, um, Dr. Delaney. She just wrote a book. Um, fantastic on you know on ecotherapy nice. and um you know the benefits of it are <laughs> yeah i mean it's stuff that we should know yeah, we, i mean we do know when we, we know. experience it like you you just experienced yeah. yeah all right so i i have to ask this uh, before we finish i know we've been talking a while but um you are someone who fully is embracing nature but you also have no problem working with say a 3d printer in your sculpture so what is that that embrace the embrace <laughs> yeah. of the most technological <laughs> things, which is the uh, innovative use of uh, technology to create sculpture, to create art. So it, how does this yeah. play in? How do, you, how do you feel about this? What is this? Uh, what's what's the thoughts on this whole yeah, process? It's, yeah, it's, it's really a divide, it seems, right? I, I don't think it, I don't um, think it has to be. Yeah, I <laughs> No, no. And I, obviously, I don't either. Um, and eventually, I, I will I will have a 3D printer that um, is going to print from recycled plastic. So that's going to be really exciting. Nice. Uh, not, not yet, but the one that yeah. they're still working on it. Um, the one that I want to get, um, and you know, you can 3d print with clay too, as well. So, um, there's ways yeah. of doing these sustainable materials. Um, right now I 3d print with a biofilament, which is a corn based, you know, it's a corn based plastic. Um, but it is, at least it's, you know, from nature can go back. It can, it'll biodegrade back into sure. nature. Who knows when? Nice. I mean, they always say that about those biodegradable <laughs> cups, but I've never seen one break down yet. <laughs> I'm sure they will, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, so actually that goes back a ways to when I was at New Forest and I was working with interns. And then I started um, working with the, the Belfast Creative Coalition there. And I was working with more um, youth, you know, young like college students, which is another inspiration to get back into teaching. But um, yeah. What I realized was some of the um, environmentally minded uh, youth, like coming out of the colleges and, you know, really gung ho and ready to give up everything, you know, like they'll never have a computer again, gladly. <laughs> and um, but then I was working with artists, too. And so the thing that these two groups had in common is that they needed to be um, entrepreneurs. 
right? On a big yeah. way. Uh, and to be an yeah. entrepreneur, you kind of, you're and you don't do technology, you're, you're, you're missing a platform. You know, there's a couple platforms here and, and ways of running a business that technology can help you with, you know, just in social media, for example. But also um, technology, you know, our house, we have solar panels, we have a windmill, you know, so those are technological advances that, um, you know, so so that more people could, you know, access, um, you know, clean ways of using energy and also the, you know, the whole concept of using the energy of the sun. Like I have a dishwasher, I have um, a washer and a dryer. And, um, I put it on delay until the sun's going to shine. And, but that's sort of a really nice cycle. I like, I love it, you know, and sometimes, um, Uh, sometimes the moon will light up our solar panels and I love to see that happen. Um, but it puts you in like this living contact with what's going on. And so, um, so all that whole entrepreneur side, I got really excited about and really like geeked out onto, and it's, and it had to do a lot with the creative economy. And so innovation, creativity, um, just got really into it. And that got me involved with the Immerse Center up at the University of Maine that they had just built, which was a whole huge um, place where they had 3D printers and laser cutters and CNC. And I was able to go there. They have a community component, which a lot of these makerspaces or, you know, places do. Um, Fabrication labs, they're a a fab lab. but and so I was able to train there as, as a community member and um, learn 3D printing. And and so I'm excited about the potential for that, like down the road that I could print a totally, um, in, instead of doing a big bronze thing, which is multi, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars now, uh, in which gets shipped off to Taiwan or whatever to do the bronze. It's crazy what they're doing with bronze now. Um, but there's these fabrication places that, you know, they're moving towards sustainable models, but they're not there yet, but that's what I'm, I I know it's going to happen. So that's how I got into 3d printing and CNC is a big, you know, yeah. A way of working now for sculptors and of course the scanning it's, it's all, I can email a sculpture, (laughs) uh, to, to, a, a, a foundry. And they could they could put it in bronze or they could CNC it. Um, that's a lot that's different crazy. than mailing a huge mold or or taking a mold. Even it's changed a lot. Yeah. There was a um, a video that the Gigabot people are re 3D. They make the Gigabot 3D printers, and there's a video and they show how I use the 3D printers in these large scale works, and then and also in the classroom. So nice. That's it's great. It's like re 3D something. Uh, Monmouth University, Callis, you'd find it. Yeah. Nice. It's nice. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's great. I, I think and there's, it's two, it's 2021. We need to figure out how to make art now yeah. right? and <laughs> not ignore the brilliance of, yeah. of really engineered things that are, you know, on, on their way to becoming even better and better and sustainable and whatever. It's just like how to, yeah, cre- create yeah. things without, um, yeah, being, uh, I guess, n- stuck in nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm stuck in nostalgia. I'm still sculpting from life. I love the clay sure, yeah. and, you know, and that old, like, it's very traditional forms of the figure. So I like that divide or that connecting those two, like crazy, really super far back through, you know, Egypt and Samaria and all of that into, uh, you know, contemporary figurative sculpture it's like oh my goodness that's great but what i love too and i I just i I know we're running out of time here but one thing that's so exciting to me about places like makerspaces or fab labs or this new emerging technologies is it's a natural place for overlapping of the fields right so you have science and engineers and and with the ecological issues it is all about us working together there's no we cannot have silos right that's we know that, right? It's all this interconnected web. And so that's happening in these places, right? I'm sitting next to an engineer. I'm yeah. sitting next to a nurse who was making, um, you know, a product 
for to use right then to help them out, like in the hospital. Wow. I was sitting next to a person, you know, people in wheelchairs who can do this fantastic stuff. So like there's no yeah. barrier for them. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, you're no, you're, there's no handicap. So it's just fantastic. Um, I just love the overlap, you know, and I work with scientists all the time. It's just a very geeky thing. That's so fun. And, um, and it's a place where um, we can, we can connect. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you, you, the university world is exactly where you need to be as an artist and even as a contributing member of, of humanity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and especially with <laughs> the connection to the ocean being Monmouth's thing, you know, being right on the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it's been a gift. So you've been there since 2016, was it? Something like that? Yes. Yeah. That's great. That was my first year. That's great. And I, I mean, and I love that you've yeah. carried everything with you. You're still very connected and been in Maine, especially during the, the crazy pandemic year. Um, and it's, it's all, yeah. So there's no, there's nothing disconnected. So it's, it's kind of a wonderful integration of, um, yeah, your whole entire life, which is kind of great. So that's why I, I really appreciate about <laughs> your life and how you live and how you create <laughs> art. It's kind of an awesome thing. So thank you for being that person. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's nice you say that because it can feel so crazy. <laughs> like, what are we doing? We're doing this back and forth and, sure. um, but I just, yeah, so tough. I love both places. But we're mostly in New Jersey and the students. Yeah, the students are just fantastic. That's great. That's great. Well, it's a gift yeah. that you are in that world and doing it, you know, as, as much as you are. So and um, I, I would love to hear any like final advice just to my listeners just about like how to just really integrate and build community around, um, you know, art around anything like that and any just for the the artists out there who are kind of sitting on the fence, get them going. <laughs> well, I, I guess what I would say is that the most important thing about um, building community is how much it helps you. Sure. <laughs> you know, um, I, I have a, an ongoing coffee date with, it was one artist and now it's two artists and we meet every week. Nice. And you can just start that way with another artist. If you're like, oh, I don't, I can't go out and do a workshop or I can't go out and build community, right? But you just start with one person and then you guys get excited about something, invite in a couple more people. And like, like you said, you're doing a monthly thing, right? Where it's uh, several people can contribute. And, um, but, but that has been a lifeline for me. My community is my energy. It's, you know, yeah. it is, it's, they just feed me so much um, and help me with, there's so many things, you know, whatever it is, you know, it can be an idea in the artwork. It can be the materials, you know, materials. And that's a huge subject, right? Um, or or having an exhibit or um, whatever it is. It's just so vast. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. I'd, I'd say start start right away and call someone up. <laughs> I love it a lot. Well, it's funny. It's it's like since we have uh, this consistent group too, we can throw together an art show so fast. It's like because everybody's on board. It's like nobody has to yes. really. I mean, I'll like logistically yeah. plan things, but it's just everything falls into place so easily. And it's because everybody believes in the mission. You know, it's like we all believe in what we're doing, and yeah, and the, yeah. the benefit of it. And even if it's just yeah. even if it's just all of us hanging out, we're all happy. <laughs> you know, it's kind of great. Yeah, yeah, but you all bring an audience, and then you share audience right yeah exactly yeah yeah that's that's absolutely it. and even and it this grows. this this media platform being that too just you know as a way to yeah just share these people i've made connection with or i'm making connections mm. with through this podcast and then getting uh those yeah just people to connect and kind of I, I call it the stolen hours community so thank you for joining our community too yes <laughs> thanks so much how do we uh follow <laughs> you and know what's going on with kimberly Callis? I guess KimberlyCallis.com and Instagram, uh, K under slash Callis. Uh, I post a lot there, Yeah, uh, but everything's on my website. Yeah. Awesome. KimberlyCallis.com. And we can go to uh, discovering your ecological self to figure out our ecological self. Right? Yes. That's our <laughs> other website. Um, yeah. And, and see the social practice work. But there's that's a link great. there for my website to that. Yep. I love I love that term social practice. I don't know if I've ever heard that exact way to say it, but it's definitely I I always felt like as an mm -hmm. artist, it's it's part of our responsibility 
and social practice as part of our art is key. And it's something I try to, it's easy to do when you're doing like documentary photography and things like that, but to be able to mm-hmm. yeah, just bring my painting life and anything that I'm doing in that arena to into social practice. It's definitely a desire. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's, it's also called socially engaged art. Um, there's a great book, um, education for socially engaged art, just a little teeny pamphlet by Hoguera. Um, I'd recommend it's, good. it's just like super basic. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for all these little tidbits and for taking the time to spend with us. Definitely uh, love what you're doing and, you know, love that we're still in touch as, <laughs> as artists and as, uh, you know. I know. That's so great. Yeah. Part of the artist web. Thanks for listening to Thank you for listening to this full episode. Up next week, we have episode 41 with Juan Geraldo, who is a photographer who's working in the 